0: Hello, and welcome to Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast, the pod where we go A to X through grunge, indie, alt rock, pop, movie soundtracks, TV, and general, Generation Catalano goodness. Greetings, Hannah. Hello. How are you? Smashing, thanks. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, I guess it's no surprise what you're doing tonight. da da dod! Shall I jump right in? Yes. Are you ready to rock? Ah, that drum roll. How's my volume? Is this alright? Yeah. Well, it hasn't kicked in yet, but it's good so far. It's gonna. It's gonna. Yes. So, finally, 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 I get to talk about (laughs) Siamese Dream. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're on volume, what are we on? Four. Four. Yeah, you're going to have to take it down a notch because the louder music, the louder Hannah is. right, like that, yeah? Oh, do you mean the music or me? No, but when it is loud, (laughs) then you then get get louder so you can hear yourself over it, which of course you would want to do. Gonna struggle not to with this album (laughs) because this is absolutely one of my all-time favourite albums ever, ever, ever. Absolutely top ten, top five, possibly top three. Love it to bits. So, yeah. Why is why has um, your favorite band sucks not done smashing pumpkins? Cuz they probably really like them. Have they not? Oh, like, oh my god, there's be... a lot of fodder for that. I was That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Why are you going off to rage against the machine when there's smashing pumpkins? You're sure they're at? not? I'm going to check, but I don't think so. There's a lot of material. I Feel like there. I would have really enjoyed this as much as i love smashing pumpkins. I know. there is so- i could do a your favorite band song smashing pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you throw your hat in the ring i'd love it imagine the crossover <laughs> but that being said this album is bloody brilliant and it absolutely soundtracked uh, a big chunk of my of my life uh, and i still listen to it and love it so um yeah, second studio album, released 22nd of July 1993 on Virgin Records, it debuted at number 10 on the US Billboard charts, um, sold over 6 million copies worldwide, and this is Cherub Rock, the opening track, This is his first single, and um, in your Rage episode last week we talked about how they've got some splendid, like, I don't know, finishing what would you call them they end songs really well they you know they finish on a bang don't they yeah and i think smashing pumpkins do that with their intros they have just oh just, just the way cherry brocks the way this album starts just gives me goosebumps still absolutely that's how i feel about I bloody love it. how this song starts and what year did it come out again 93 uh, yeah so Summer very of much in a no muchness time-wise mm-hmm. but i wasn't into this it's not that I didn't like them, I didn't really know them. They hadn't grabbed me by the throat yet. Do you know what I mean? That happened with the next album for me. Okay, yeah, no, for me, it was just, I think I came to this album a bit late. Um, I don't imagine I was, I don't know, actually. Maybe I was in 93, I don't know. I reckon I probably came to it a year or two later. I guess, yeah, because you are younger than me. Yeah. So you'd have only been just 13, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I think it's still very much, yeah, all about REM at that stage um i don't know all a bit of a blur those years but anyway yeah after melancholy obviously i had melancholy and i enjoyed it but it was yeah it was too long because that's what our battle of smashing pumpkins <laughs> needs to be about what did you chuck oh, we Melancholy? Do. yeah but that's how i like place things in space and time for oh. myself is is when the album came out i know exactly where i was and what right, i was okay. doing and who i was doing it with so it's Amazing, actually. It's a great gift of music when you love music as a young teenager. You'll be able to kind of sort of recall those things if it's contemporaneous, you know, if it's coming out when you were that age, you know, obviously it doesn't really work the other way around. Yeah. Although I did have Joni Mitchell's Blue album from my dad's collection when they finally allowed me to move out of my tiny bedroom and into the guest room. (laughs) <clears throat> and then I got to have the record player in my bedroom. The same—that was the same with me and my mum's records, except my mum's oh. weren't that good. But I had like, <laughs> so I literally had all these seven-inch singles and tiny little record player, and I, I religiously like you know spent afternoons after school listening to them all and then colour coding them for like, yeah, damn you know, God, good. How do you not have a vinyl collection? That is crazy. <laughs> Most of them were colour coded. Yeah, this is not my what bag. were they? Oh, I God. thought they were all Julio. I not on seven No, it was a lot of Beatles, um, uh, a bit of Stones, some like Peter Paul and Mary, a lot of Bee Gees, not my bag. <laughs> um, and yeah, I can't remember a lot, a lot of crap, a lot of them. Um, Joan uh, Bias? She, Joe Bias, oh, who, I Yeah, I can't stand none Joe of Miss um, I don't know. She would have had a red sticker, I think. I think yellow <laughs> is good. <laughs> red. Yeah, oh, that's what it, the but. color coding was. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that was Cherubot. That is Cherubot, and I've got so much to say about it. And the song's it is, it finished. It was. It's still happening. Um, uh, but I don't have too much to say about Quiet, so I will let Quiet play um, whilst I tell you more about Cherubot. But Quiet, which is starting now, is about his relationship with his parents, um, which was not great, um, and. Uh, well, because Billy Corgan's a bit of hard work, really. Well, it, well <laughs> I don't know. D- yeah, I mean, well, we'll come on to that. But I think some parallels with some of the members of uh, of Rage Against the Machines' relationships with their fathers that you were talking about last week. Um, but anyway, Cherry Brock, which this not, song is not, um, is about Billy's relationship. Well, should we call him William P. Corgan? Well, we're going to go. Prefer with, it, darling. He was Billy back then, so I'm going to go with Billy. Yeah. he will always be Billy to me. Um, but it's about billy's relationship with his perception of the indie rock community um Ooh, a bit like liz bear mm, not sure how liz bear would, would, check that out would 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 feel about being compared to uh, to billy corgan well they kind of where are they from again chicago yeah i was going to say so she so presumably in the new oh yeah Pos very very possibly it was a small community so yeah i don't know if he was um if, if he if she would have been included in this but, but it was an attack on the indie credibility in Chicago's music sh- scene that, that exactly that's very what frustrated she was, that's what she was always railing against it, had a Boys Club and it was really annoying and they were like oh no that's not look it up can you find any pictures of, uh, of Billy and Liz closing yeah, up to I, each other I can't Billy's a bit of a lone wolf you know what I mean like he's, yeah he's not looking for his tribe he is his tribe do you know what Absolutely, I mean? absolutely. We'll so even that. if he agreed with Liz, fair. I'm not sure he would want to cozy up to her because like, if he thought her music was good, I mean, I'm just projecting this on him, but if he thought someone's music was really good, I can't help but wonder if he wouldn't be like, fuck them, I'm not being friends with them. Like, I feel like he'd be a bit jealous. Uh, yeah, I mean, I th- think he was of, well, Nirvana and Power Jam in particular. Uh, but yeah, about, Um, Cherub Rock, he he told Rolling Stone that, um, he said, I won't play play someone else's game anymore. This album was a really strong affirmation to myself. Fuck you, I don't care, I'm going to do this. The funny part about it is that it's working, which says to me I should have trusted myself all along. Um, Yeah, pat yourself on the back there, Billy. He does, a lot. (laughs) He does. Yeah, Parallels with Adam Juric here as well. Well, to be fair to Adam Juric, he's not necessarily patting himself on the back so much as he's just putting himself centre stage in every single line, you Yeah, know? there are some similarities. Uh, he also said that he wrote Chairbrock in half an hour. He said, I heard it one day while I was driving up the road and it was one of the last songs I wrote before we did the album. Thing is, there's parts of me that wonder what would've happened if I'd spent four hours writing it and not done something else? How much better a song would've <laughs> been? Oh, wow. Been. So wow. There you go. Um, but he, And then he also, he told Enemy later in, in 2011, <clears throat> So this is a bit of a theme, but he said that um, he was suicidal and he'd been plotting his own death for about two months when he wrote it. Um, And he said, if you've ever read anything about the warning signs of suicide, should we we should possibly have a trigger warning on this. Um, one of them is that you give away all your stuff and I'd given away all my stuff, I gave away all my records, I started giving away my guitars I was fantasising about my own death I started thinking what my funeral would be like and what music would be played, I'm I am sorry, at that level of insanity that level of narcissism Exactly. planning your funeral, imagine everyone crying and renting of clothes and gnashing of teeth, like, dude I want to know what he was imagining oh there is a Smashing pumpkin suck and I've it's listened crazy. to it <laughs> So there you go, I've got a feeling I've listened to it. I told you in the last pod. I don't remember anything. I've become a goldfish. That's proof. <laughs> I don't even remember listening to it. But I'm going to listen again. You'll have to re-listen to it I now. Am. Damn, I should have listened to it before this. And the beauty part is, it will be like brand new. <laughs> <laughs> have another fender. <fit. laughs> I know what could be doing this to me, Hannah. It's so weird. Uh, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't say what he was fantasizing about having played at his funeral but you know. no it was more like the scene imagine i imagine like i said what music would be played i want to know what, what music did he imagine Who would be played cares what people play at your funeral you're not going to be there well how do you think about it though i don't know <laughs> i think i would want to say why you worried your husband will put Hanson on and be like she loves this and you'll be do you know what happens back from the grave <laughs> sugar babes honestly <laughs> It's just, he's got sugar babes on rotation in the car. I think they were, weren't they at Glasgow? They're touring, i was getting that, tickets. Yeah. Uh, I saw that they had played something and I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were at Glasgow maybe. It's And possible. it's the original lineup, isn't it? They've gone back to I don't know, you know more about to the original. Maybe you should go with him. No, thank you. <laughs> I told you I've met them. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. I'm good. I don't know if I told him. I'd be very jealous. Heidi was very nice. Keisha was very nice. No, Moochie no, was, nice. was nice. No, you said Moochie was nice. Keisha... Allegedly. Anyway. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Uh, okay. Right, where are we? Oh, okay. I love the great intro. They build. Oh, what do you call one of those? A bomb track, build! Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> when they build up? A, you told me about yeah. that. You don't, yeah, okay. Oh, oh. Oh, this is so good. So, obviously, this is about today. So, this was the second single. Um, the record label wanted this to be the first single, and Billy said, no, the first single has to be Cherry Rock. And Billy got his way, as I'm sure Billy often does. Oh, yeah. That guy um, knows how to dig in. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I didn't tell you. So, oh, going back to Cherry Rock, there was so much to say about that. Um, the video was directed by Kevin Kerslake. Can you remember... I'm doing a pause today, because otherwise I'm going to speak all the way <laughs> I'm through not today. I'm not telling you, telling you anything about that. But yeah, Kevin Kerslake, does he ring bells? I'm mm. sure I've talked about it before, because he, he's Did you not just with, hear that thing about the goldfish? <laughs> oh. so I, I or have I'm, no, the no do? No! Do you oh, yeah. Uh, but he's worked with Nirvana and Soundgarden and R.A.M. and Sonic Ethan. I'm sure we've both talked about him on many a pod. Um, but he worked, uh, he he he'd worked at Smashing Pumpkins before on I Am One, which was from uh, Gish, which was their debut single, in fact. Um, but yeah, that uh, was shot outside um, San Francisco on a on Super 8 film on a very modest budget. And they also used Super 8 on Nirvana's Sliver and Maddie Star's fade into you and i'm mentioning Mm. that because it does like i think the whole album has a sort of shoegazy like mazzy star and others-esque uh feel to it but yeah they used super eight on that um on that video for like a a lo-fi look which they use again a little bit a little bit later on uh billy wasn't happy with the shooting experience and never worked with kevin kerslake ever again Mm. what what the hell did kevin Kevin do to Cross Quite. William P. Corgan. Imagine what went on behind the scenes. Oh, and more Shoegaze stuff actually. So, oh, so there was a lot of tension throughout the whole recording process um, of the album. Um, you know, obviously Billy was going through a, a depressive period. Um, you know, suicidal. Uh, James Iha or Iha, um, the drummer. Sorry, the uh, the guitarist. Uh, had just broken up with Darcy Retzky, the bassist, uh, and Jimmy Chamberlain, the drummer, was had like massive heroin addiction issues. So there was just right. <laughs> all sorts of um, yeah stuff and distractions um, going on. Um, and Billy also like you know crazy perfectionist, so he would um, he recorded a lot of uh, um, James and Darcy's parts. Um, and that's quite interesting as well. Like Darcy said that it, it, it made sense because Billy could could do in like three takes what it would take her twenty takes to do or whatever. But you kind of wonder now, like you know, knowing everything else that's gone yeah. on. If um, and was she just? I mean, were they just his tour band basically? That you know, I mean, was this well, the one that was recorded in Atlanta? Uh, it was recorded in Marietta. Is that Georgia? It I is think, Georgia. Over, yeah. So I think part of the reason for that was because Jimmy's drug habit was so bad that they had to like just take him away from all of his drug contacts. um, Because he was just disappearing for days on like drug benders. um, You know, so everyone was worried, you know, whether he was alive or not. Mm. Um, In fact, Butch Vig. Oh yeah, so it was produced by Butch Vig. um, And uh, one time when he disappeared for two or three days... um, Butch said that Billy put the hammer down and had him perform the drum part for Cherub Brock until his hands bled. Um, you know. And after that, he checked into, re- into rehab. Um, and Billy told Spin Magazine... Um, <laughs> this is really awful. He told Spin Magazine, you know, I gave them a year and a half to prepare for this record. I'm surrounded by these people who I care about very much, yet they continue to keep failing me. So yeah, he, he said he's, that he's got a personality yeah, disorder. Yeah, one Yeah, well, he did say he also said that he 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 to take the actions of others very personally. He said, if you really think about it, of course, someone who doesn't someone doesn't do the job because they're lazy or they don't think it's important. But I took it as you're not worth going home and working on the song. So I mean, like. Either way, like he's being really shit to his friends. Either way, nurses. it's like you know, it wasn't it wasn't about me. It's just because they were really yeah. lazy and couldn't be arsed. It's not to. my fault. They're yeah. really shit. <laughs> they weren't doing it to get at me. They just bone idle. Man. Man, um, yeah. So Virgin uh, were were getting impatient because the recording was taking you know longer than uh, than anticipated because of all of this shit, and it was also going massively over budget. Um, and of course billy wasn't going to cut any corners because he didn't want to compromise on the sound um and by the time they did finish recording it billy and, and butch big were too emotionally exhausted to mix it um so they got alan molder to mix it and uh, they got him in because he had worked with my bloody valentine on loveless so there you go more more shoegaze more i'm shoegaze. sure everybody that works with billy probably ends up close to a nervous breakdown and it's like i need to take <clears> some- <throat> Well, six months off here yeah. yeah so so for the mixing this guy put two weeks in in a studio to mix it but ended up taking 36 days so eventually they finished after four months and they were $250,000 over budget <laughs> doesn't that come <laughs> out of the band's pocket then ultimately <laughs> t- well there was a lot more money sloshing around in those days wasn't there to make records and things not like the shoe yeah but they the still take it out of you days. know you're a,
1: you're oh in gosh sales, I'm yeah. playing
0: you a different version of today whoops uh i don't
1: know Megalomania. they did, they did all right in the
0: end though, <laughs> I think. so anyway back to today yeah second single because uh, billy got his way uh although in, in in america it wasn't released as a single because virgin wanted it was that whole thing that i think happened quite a lot with records that the record label wanted fans to buy the album as opposed to just that one single yeah um so instead it was issued to radio stations as a promo and at this stage, Smashing Popkins was still kind of considered like a college radio band. They hadn't, you know, been totally catapulted into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. gone mega, today, yeah. yeah. today, obviously, massively helped with that. Um, so it was one of the first songs written by Billy for Simon's Dream. Apparently, he played a self-recorded demo of it, which Vig, who liked it, um, and... Uh, soon after he played that to, to Butch, Virgin executives came in to observe the band doing their recording because they'd heard about all of the problems But they went away because they were very pleased with, with the demo um, and Thought actually they're doing fine. We'll leave them to it, but that apparently stressed Billy out even more <laughs> oh, God. So he worked overtime and practically lived in the studio for um, the recording process um, he and, and Butch Vig would, would work on 45 second sections of music for two days, apparently. Oh, working 16 hour days for weeks at a time to achieve the sound that William P. Corgan wanted. Because what William P. Corgan wants, William P. Corgan gets. Bloody hell, I'm surprised the other three s- stood around. For well, a while. funny you should say that. Because unsurprisingly, it did put a bit of a strain on uh, relationships within the band. Yeah, that happens when you have to work with a dick. Well, yeah. <laughs> So Birch Viggs said that Darcy would lock herself in the bathroom, James wouldn't say anything, uh, or Billy would lock himself in the control room. I mean, can you imagine oh the drama? And then, yeah, Billy took over James and Darcy's guitar um, and, and bass parts to ensure quality. How rude is that? Of did. Although no one says that about like, when Dave Grohl did it, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, but he did that first album by himself. It's not like he did this. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, that's very true. I feel yeah. like Dave is a way much nicer person. I'm I'm not disputing that at all. Than Billy allegedly. Yeah. So stories got out, and there were you know there were things circulating in the music press. And Billy did admit that there was some truth to uh, some of the accusations of his tyrannical behaviour, but he also said that he thought the press had misunderstood. Yeah. The and situation. probably it was all warranted anyway. So oh. up your bum. So who knows. So I love this song, and um, this was um, my brother did a lovely little like uh, sort of fanzine style video for my wedding a long, long time ago, and this track um, is one of the ones on it. And to me, it's you know it's a happy song, and the video is all you know Technicolor and bright, and it's got ice cream bands and I remember it's the video. Lovely. Um, I'll talk about the video in a minute. Billy looked good in that hat. <clears throat> He did. He did. He'd shorn his locks off by that point. But, um, although he wasn't completely bald yet, was he? But um, it's got very, very dark lyrics. Um, and it was about a day where Billy was having suicidal thoughts. Now, I'm going to let this play because this is still today. This is a cover of today. <laughs> Not Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, it's by Solomon Burt Jr. I'll tell you about it in a minute, but I'll let it play. Um, meanwhile... Uh, Billy said that I was really suicidal. I just thought it was funny to write a song that said today is the greatest day of your life because it can't get any worse. And he later compared writing the lyrics of today and disarm, oh, which, oh, can't wait to, to talk about that one. Didn't we nearly miss it? That when we went out. To, uh, yes. Yes. I was going to mention that. That's track six. <laughs> Getting there. Getting there. Hold your horses. Getting horse there. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so obviously a lot of people are unaware that actually it's not a happy song. It's a very dark song. And I was in the dark about that for many, many years. But it still, like, it still makes, it puts a smile on my face still, that song. I bloody love it. You know, the way it, like, goes quiet and dreamy and then it goes loud and ragey and there's all the distortion. Just, just love it. But yeah, so the video uh, was directed by Steph. Fan. was it Stephanie gosh I don't know now I don't oh, know if it is oh the... gosh I don't know Stefan super Stefan Sednaui said, said oh, sure. mm-hmm. yeah Stefan so yeah French photographer um directed uh Give It Away Chili Peppers Give It Away um yeah, yeah Mysterious Ways Levi's advert as well didn't he, he did oh it. did he, he which did one I know maybe the most garbage Okay, yeah, brings back. i might be making that up, but I'm pretty sure I did one. Which we talked about at some point, Ellis Fully by Ellis Fully don't know. Way. Volume two? Something like that. So, yeah, it had really heavy rotation on MTV, and I remember one of my trips to Mexico to visit my granny. This was on MTV, I think, along with like. Oh. like this was like, Heart Shaped <laughs> Box. Not this, this version. version. <laughs> Not this version. <laughs> but but yeah, so. Mike Flowers Pops version. <laughs> I watched that video over and over and over again. And again, like the. Um, <laughs> Like the Cherry Brock video, it was shot with really low-quality uh, photographic uh, equipment, deliberately. But you'll remember, so it's got the ice cream truck in It's inside. very blown out. Yes. Very, very colourful. Very, very 90s. And Billy said that the, the, the plot of the of the, um, of the video was inspired by a memory that he had of an ice cream truck driver who um, quit his job and gave out the rest of all his ice cream to the neighbourhood kids. Which kind of <laughs> reminds me about what he said about, you know, giving away his his stuff. Um, but S- Sedanaui's, is that how I was saying it? S- Sedanaui, S- um, yeah. She took Billy's idea and combined it with her own ideas inspired by the 90s. Guy. Oh, sorry, yeah, because in my head it's Stephanie. It's Stephanie, oh, you're right. absolutely right. Um, inspired by a um, 1970s film called Zabriskie Point. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. No Actually. Don't think I've ever even heard of it. Ah, oh, but part of the video is shot at Zabriskie Point in Death Valley, California. I can't tell you anything else hmm. about the film. I haven't seen it. Obviously. <laughs> <But> <laughs> maybe I have, and I don't remember, which is yeah. very possible too. Yeah, cut to you and I watching Zabriskie Point last week. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I think it's a fun video as well. It's like you know, it's we don't often see Billy like that. You know, he's he's an ice cream man. He's reading a comic book. People are snogging in the desert, and you know James is in a dress. That's also very nineties, isn't it? Yeah, guitarists in dresses. Yeah, they they loved them. Yeah, the rock guys loved getting into a dress. And Jimmy and Darcy are in the petrol station. That That very reality reality bites, isn't it? Yeah, gas station. That used to be edgy. Remember that? Yeah, when guys wore dresses, and it was like, "Whoa, dude, crazy!" Oh, yeah. Billy gets kicked. It's a different time, huh? Oh, it was. so, anyway, that cover um, that I played you is by Solomon Burke Jr., who um, was the son of soul musician Solomon Burke. Um, and it is on Midnight in the Patch, a tribute to Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, yeah, so thought nice little Motown style. Yeah. Cover Solomon Burke of... do cry to me. Uh, one of my favourite songs. That was on, oh, that was on a lot of my mixtapes, just. Remember when we were talking about how it'd be great if we had our mixtapes, but surely if we really could cast our minds back, we'd be able to recreate them. If we really tried. I don't know, I had one for like every mood. And different ones, like depending on who I was making them for. And, yeah, yeah, but I had staples Oh, absolutely, there were yeah, staples. There's oh. where you're like, oh God, this is going on. Oh, we, we now know. <laughs> Today and <laughs> disarm thing. were massive staples for me. Okay, yeah. so this is Hummer. Um, I've got lots of quotes from from Billy here, but here's one from, from James. So James told the Orlando Sentinel Tribune in 1992 that the songs on on Simon's Dream mutate in 50,000 different directions. When we did the first album, songs would change over a few days or change over m- months, but generally they always came out sounding very different when we're through with them. We tend to play a song into the ground, and just see what happens, make little changes here or there, or scrap the whole song and keep one, one part. And that apparently is what they did with Hummer. <clears throat> And Billy said, so, so the whole album was reissued in 2011 and there were liner notes uh, for the reissue which is you know, mainly Billy looking back at the songs and when they're recorded and he said that the first time they played Hummer at rehearsal he got a skull crushing headache from playing the opening figure for 30 minutes straight. He said we couldn't stop that same entranced, menacing Eastern yada yada over and over again. A hum de plume in order of major keyed faith. All those Catholic dreams that one has inverted growing up on those bleak post-industrial burbs. It's a beautiful song that in its totality lends a message that is hard to convey but bigger than its original intention. To be yourself you must live your life. To live your life you must be free. It's just something, I guess, not to... Shit on your favorite album at all? I read, it, I read that to you so that you can shit on Billy. Well, doesn't it annoy you when people call their own song beautiful? Yes, it really. It doesn't annoy. Me. In, in this case, it just amuses me because like, I, I wouldn't expect anything yeah, less from Billy. You know, it's just a bit. It's yeah. just irritating. But it's also it's like the the you know the fact that they they're the, the talking about opening uh, playing it for thirty minutes straight also takes me back to when we saw them. When was it 2018 yeah and like, I'd never seen them over. before and you know so excited to see that you know that they, they, they really were I, they still are absolutely one of my favorite bands but I'm I'm just there for the early albums like it after yeah. melancholy. and it was a disappointing gig because it was about well that was gonna be my point yeah like partly disappointing because we were queuing too long for hot dogs and I missed the I thought we were buying money I think, did we we got merch and then I think we also got a hot dog. It was a good hot dog. I don't remember the hot dog at all. It was a all. big hot dog, yeah. Ooh, with the like merch the, I took on my bag. Yellow mustard. It was a good Wembley stadium, Wembley Arena. Well, we got on the wrong tube. tube and bumped into my friends who also got on the wrong tube, which was funny because yes, I didn't even right. know they were going to that yes, gig. Yes, yes. Yes, but what was more annoying than missing the opening of, of, of Disarm was... It just—it like I kind of—I don't know what I expected because I suppose I did expect that, but hadn't prepared myself enough that it was just the Billy Corgan show, and they did do just or he did, just a lot of it was a dirge, you know. It was just yeah. like what—it was just so self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, all those that pictures made me sad projected behind him. Yeah, we're all just of him. I mean, the, the band sounded incredible, like he was still incredible, but it was just. Oh, the icky! Yeah, it was like, and and the way he was dressed as well, like oh, it yeah. did feel like he was the the priest. Well, he was dressed like a fucking priest, and and we're all there to just worship him. And Ooh. quite frankly, I think that was the idea. Speaking of religious imagery and stuff, did you um, what do you think of the Kendrick Lamar thing at Glastonbury with the? Didn't watch Crown of Thorns. Okay, I haven't I seen the like, okay <laughs> I saw the beginning of his set interesting I saw the crown of thorns I thought oh that's a bit weird and then changed over to I can't remember I saw else in the something news my play it. Uh, and then read about like the you know the blood splashing out of his I don't know Tiffany cr- crown or whatever and staining his white shirt really dramatically oh hi and, Michael I, I meant to look it up but I just thought actually no where was Jarvis Cocker when you fucking need him oh, yeah. I think he was playing like some other stage much earlier on <laughs> You needed to jump on the stage and slap the shit out of him oh I'd love like to see Jarvis again actually Jarvis as he now is um okay uh, that's all I've got for Hummer so I will fast forward to Rockets so this was another single this was the uh... wait I, th- I just thought you were giving- so Hummer is about humming the song it's not about blowjobs <laughs> Because uh, if we're talking about Billy Corgan It could be blowjobs I'm just saying Yeah Do you know what I did hear something about Why he named it Hummer And if I don't think it was Anything to do with Sexual acts Uh can't remember It's not my favourite one on the album So I didn't spend too much time on it Cool <laughs> Please continue Life's a bummer When you're a hammer. I don't know It's life a hammer Bummer when you're play job. Maybe know. it was about Courtney Love. Maybe. <laughs> oh, according to Courtney Love, it is uh, her. every song on the album assistive. apart from Space Boy is about her. <laughs> I have got a quote from, Cor- from Courtney somewhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. She says it's Do all about Do you realise if they had had a child together it would have been the Antichrist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I love Courtney. You know I love Courtney. I know, but you also know that's true. Thank <laughs> God she had a baby with, with Kurt who was basically a... Adorable human being in comparison to <laughs> her. <laughs> Allegedly. Hush, hush. Her book must be out soon actually. Can't wait to get my hands on that. Oh, I can't wait either. That's gonna be amazing. Are you kidding me? So Rocket, yeah, fourth and final single about I don't know, getting away the Rocket, I guess. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna dig into much of I mean we could guess. <laughs> or, or I can tell you what Billy said and it his, was lined you know, <laughs> He said <laughs> Wait for it He said It stands as a poem to the past That has just left us behind we, We're going places fast And we can't get there fast enough Don't forget to bring your fresh nails For the crosses Hidden up on the dark side of the moon What? He's a poet But he also said That there's a line from this song Bleed in your own light And what he meant by that was I want to fucking bleed in my own light Not in Kirk Baines, Not in Perry Farrell's Is it Farrell or Farrell? I heard someone say. Yeah, I heard someone say Pharrell the other day. and thought, that doesn't no, not sound right. That's Pharrell with a P, and he's a completely different Farrell guy. Pharrell Williams. No, no, they were talking about Perry Pharrell. In fact, I no. think it, it might have been Dan from the throwback pod. I think it was. No, I've never heard anyone call him Perry Pharrell. Well, yeah. No, it Perry Pharrell. it's Perry Farrell. So anyway, you didn't I want to go I, down not, and I mean, Perry Farrell's like... I don't know, no, but I feel certain. You said, I want to go down in my own fucking shit. That's what it's about. So yeah, I think like, when you were saying, like, about you know, even if he thought people were good, he would never admit to it or whatever. Like, he was massively, massively jealous of Nirvana. I thought about Jane's Addiction, actually. In fact, Jane's Addiction is supporting them on their US tour currently. Oh, my God, this is the best thing that ever happened. But, wait, didn't Smashing Pumpkins get booted off the bill in favour of Pearl Jam? Well, yeah, there's been a few things like that. At the Cow Um, Palace. Yeah, didn't they say like, oh, we're not playing they're playing, And they've also had a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they kicked off and then someone called their bluff so then they had to fuck off. Yes. And the, uh, Billy's got a bit of a um, track record of doing stuff like that. Hang on a minute. pre Let Pretty me, let me it find is. it. Yes. Well, he had some beef with Pavement. Um, in fact. Day I'm going you have beef with pavement. to play you this now. Okay, so this is Pavement's range life. <clears throat> in fact... The bit yet. So this came out in 1994, so a year after this. And it, I, I'm just gonna let you listen to it actually. Take a shit on Billy. I forget which bit in the song it is. Yet. Stephen Malmuss said that he never dissed the Splashin' Pumpkins' music, just their status. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I feel the same way, Steve. Oh, where is it? There's a bit where he just talks about Smashing Pumpkins being on tour. I can't remember the lyric, but it's coming, it's coming. But whilst it comes, I can tell you that... Uh, Former Huskadoo frontman Bob Mould also wasn't too impressed with him and called them the Grunge Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And uh, Steve Albini wrote a scathing letter in response to an article praising Smashing Pumpkins, derisively comparing them to Oreo uh, Speedwagon. Um, what's wrong with Oreo Speedwagon? <laughs> Come on. Well, he said, buy of and for the mainstream... Oh, come on, where's the Smashing Pumpkins bit? Oh well, I guess that's the complaint. But, you know what? There's such a weird thing going on in the early 90s with these amazing bands, but this kind of like, Oh, you're selling out. Oh, you're selling out, dude. And it's like, get the fuck over yourself. The whole point is, you didn't start this. I mean, okay. Maybe Mark Arm did. Everybody else Oh, we we have to go at Mark Arm as well, yeah. But they're all trying to get a, a deal. This whole kind of, oh, well, then you've just sold out. It's like, look. Here we go. This is it. Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry, not that bit. Carry on. <laughs> well, I forgot what I said. Sorry. What I did I, I tell you about already? my memory, Anna? I have no idea what I was saying. Oh, damn it. I'm just going to tell you what the lyrics are. Please do. Unless it's this bit. Please do. okay. So, there's a bit where it goes out on tour with the Smashing Pump Kids Nature Kids. I they don't know how ha- they don't have no function, I don't understand what they mean, and I can really give a fuck. And then they he has a go at stone, stone Temple Pilots as well. But anyway, Billy wasn't um, too impressed with it, and they had a, a little bit of a ruck. And then a few years later, Billy found out that they were on the bill with pavement somewhere else, and um. I think maybe he pulled the same trick We're not going. and then I can't if, remember, if I don't know, I'll find it, it, it. but it was something like that, yeah, so it's, it's, it's not just, um, it's, it's everyone. It's or, literally or jam, everyone. Or it was, yeah. <laughs> Uh Right, sorry, it was a bit of a, uh, uh no, that was delightful Distraction. I went there, to see Pavement in the 90s on the Terror Twilight Tour. They're, pl- they're playing actually, soon, we need to go see them, I think they're at the Roundhouse or somewhere. I don't, know. Um. I don't know if I'm doing London gigs anymore. Ugh. Unless it's Pearl Jam. <laughs> it's just right. too traumatic getting Fine. home. Do you know what? I hate The Last Train so much. I oh, from The Roundhouse is not too bad. The Last Train is packed so full This is sticks. it. Sorry. <laughs> Finally. I thought it was much. I thought it was much earlier on. Yeah, it's not healthy. I have another go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, so 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 Billy said um, about this song. He said, "I think it's rooted in jealousy, the kind where someone is looking at a picture saying, this is where I belong,' and I don't understand why I'm not there." It shows true pettiness. Billy calling someone Billy petty. Calling pe- yeah. That is yeah. wow. He said it's like high school all over again. You have the football team, except the football team is the guys in pavement and mud honey. What? Is that, uh, with the, the, no, dude. Mud honey isn't. and pavement are like the last people that would be and on they're the a band. Team. Teams. Come Who on. are also fucking cool. Exactly. Oh yeah. So it was um, it was Lollapalooza. He told um, he told Lollapalooza organisers that the Smashing Pumpkins would pull out of headlining the festival that same year unless Pavement would drop from the bill. Um, and what happened? Then, I don't know what happened, actually. What? I can't imagine they would have dropped them from the bill. It's ridiculous. But that's anyway. outrageous. And oh, that's sorry, fucking... that's porno for Pyros. got Jane's addiction. It, it, it's just, it's just bullying, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, where was I? Oh, my God. I think I was here. What do they say? Trying to prevent people from getting their money. It's just wrong. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I was going to tell you that the Rocket video was directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris who we've talked about mm. before in relation to Tonight Tonight. Yes. and um, Which is one of my favourite tracks. Yeah, the video is like uh, this group of like sort of science-y kids who get this interplanetary broadcast sent to them by the Smashing Pumpkins um, and they start building a rocket to fly to another planet to see the band perform. Uh, and they yes, build the rocket this. and they go to space but the band have like grown old. But the idea of it kind of reminds me of that Ethan Hawke film um, like baby oh, Ethan Hawke with baby um, River Phoenix yeah oh, the Explorers that one yeah anyway <gasps> I've done what we did at the gig missed the beginning of the song <laughs> but well there you go that's, that's This the theme is absolutely one of my favourite songs in mm. the world ever absolutely adore this song I hadn't appreciated that it was a single alright so it was a third single and it was a huge hit but I don't remember it being a massive hit here in the UK. And I think it was because, so it, it did peak at number 11 here. It was massive in the States. Uh, but I, I think, having read about it now, that the reason it wasn't played so much, or well, that I don't remember it being played here, um, is because um, it was banned from, from Top of the Pops, BBC banned it from Top of the Pops, because of that lyric, Cut That Little Child. And apparently that was because of the Jamie Bulger case. Bloody so um. that was all around this time, um, and then in the liner notes of um, yes. the you know the 2011 reissue, Billy describes it as being a son, a son, a song once well, banned by the BBC for the use of Carl, "that little child." No one wanted to hear that it was all a stoic euphemism for the deepest cuts within, and he explained that he was offered a, a hurry-up chance to re-record the song with a replacement lyric. So oh, I can imagine what senses. he said to that. Well, obviously he wasn't <coughs> Eat having shit it. shit and die he said I flat reviews I wasn't going to honour the dead by dishonouring my own death (laughs) I mean it's completely you know oversensitive however well such a shocking time where children are killing children is just (coughs) insanity oh my god yes I, I remember writing pages and pages in my diary about Oh, just about to find it really difficult to talk about it even now absolutely horrendous but, you know, Billy Billy was coming from a certain place as well. Like, his, you know, his wanky as his, his words sound. He said that he he knew the troubles this... Well, in his words, he said, I knew the trouble this song would cause in my family. The ripple of the message got through. The string arrangement was invented on the spot, line by line. <laughs> Again, beautifully played and stated and understated by the men by me, he said. <laughs> there are moments where it works precisely because you trust it will. And when it does work so effortlessly, you wonder why they... Why they all can't have such lucky stars. But um, I think, you know, I will give him some leeway because um, this song, again, is about his relationship with his parents growing up, and it touches upon child abuse. Um, and he said it was written on the same day as Today, which he called his suicidal anthem. Um, oh, and there's also a lyric in there, What I Choose Is My Choice, and the killer the of killer me is killer of you, which was bit controversial at time as well because some read it as a reference to abortion which obviously is very fucking topical at the moment um i i, I didn't interpret it ever as being about abortion this song but. no i frankly never had that thought either Top,
1: uh topical
0: <laughs> but yeah absolutely bloody love that song and you know it's, it's i find it like it's it's sad but very kind of uplifting at the same time, even though I'm not sure that it's meant well, to be uplifting. The, yeah, the orchestral but yeah soaring it, is yeah. It it makes very beautiful the little hairs on my arms soar up. It just gives me goosebumps and it just just stops me in my tracks every time. So if um, you want to ever stop, Hannah, for whatever reason, oh, just, just yeah, play me that. That'll be that's my up. that's my uh, what's the name Max song in Stranger Things. Just give me a 1980s Walkman, stick that on me, and I will I'm stay more in this thinking... world and not go to the upside I'm down. I'm thinking musical <laughs> statues, more like Hannah's jogging along the seat front. Stop. <laughs> no, Breathe. this is my running up that hill. <laughs> yeah, so final thing on disarm. He's oh no, not the final thing. Sorry, I've got more on it. But the final thing that Billy said that I will tell you is that he didn't have the guts to kill his parents so he thought that he'd get back at them through song. Yeah, he was really fucked off with his parents. I don't know what they did. Jesus. Sounds like they were quite unpleasant. Uh, Or his dad, I'm not sure. Uh, But yeah, he he said he'd get back at them through song and rather than have an angry, 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 violent song. No, not, not Rage Against the Machine. Um... He said, I thought I'd write something beautiful and make them realise what tender feelings I have in my heart and make them feel really bad for treating me like shit. God, he's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you got a one. You Blame it on the parents, eh? He clearly does. Yeah, but when it gets to that stage, you know, you well, wonder how bad they really were compared to what a fucking monster he is, you know? Mm. I'm starting to doubt. I'm just saying. Well, who are these people? Who knows? Uh, so this is Landslide, which is not on Simon's Dream. But um, oh, I love this song! Isn't it beautiful? And they they did play this when when we saw them, and I'm so glad they did. Um, but I'm going to mention it here because two, two versions of the Disarm single were put out. So there was the Heart version and the Smile version, which had different artwork and B-sides. Um, and the Heart version B-sides had uh, two classic 70s... Um, rock song cover versions on so one of them obviously was this with max landslide which was later on uh, pisces Iscariot, which was a compilation album that i bought uh, with my hard-earned cash in in tower records in mexico city it was one of those albums along with like pretty on the inside and stuff that i was so excited to get my hands on because you couldn't get it in the uk and it was something like cost four it was like i don't know 17 pounds or something the equivalent of um but i'm yeah, you know, and it was, I didn't know what it was. It was just like rifling through the, you know, the yeah. the smashing pumpkin section. It's like, oh my god, I haven't seen this one before. I've gotta have it. Um, yeah, I hadn't read about it before, like, you know, obviously pre-internet and everything. Um but yes, I loved I loved Pisces Carriot more than Melancholy. Um it was outtakes and stuff. And the other oh, I wanna listen to this whole thing, but it is quite a long album and this isn't on the album, so I'm just gonna play you a little bit of this song, which also is not on the album. But this was the other um, cover on the B-side, which is Dancing in the Moonlight by Thin Lizzy. Oh, I love this song. Um, and, uh, yeah, Thin Lizzy, Lily Moore's uh, dad. Gary. Told you this in another uh, previous episode, haven't I? No. Yeah. Lily Moore's dad was in Thin Lizzy. No. Gary Moore. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah told you that before. didn't. Come on, pop out of your goldfish bowl. (laughs) Well, by that token, you can't expect me to remember, can you? Well, silly is self-reminded. No, I love Thin Lizzy, you're joking. I love Dancing Dancing. in the Moonlight. I love Whiskey in the Jar, I love it all. Jailbreak, come on. I love the Smashing Pumpkins version of Dancing in the Moonlight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, there you go. Um, Finally on this, um, actually sorry it's still not funny, I've got one more thing. The video is directed by Jake Scott, um, uh, who we've talked about before, and it was, uh, so it's like the polar opposite of, of, of today, so it's shot in black and white, um, and uh, yeah there's like a, the band are floating over like a, a house and an old, there's an old man, and a, and, a, and a boy and the boy in that is Sean Adams who's now known as, as Amber Adams uh, and Billy said that he didn't want the old man in the video but Scott insisted and it was nominated for MTV's Best Alternative Video and Best Editing in a Video God something got past Billy I don't think it won though I think it was just nominated um, I'm going to stop Dancing in the Moonlight there and just give you another cover version I mean the original <laughs> sorry Billy so is a cover not version. Very original the originals is fucking amazing. This is a cover version of Disarm by a band called the Civil Wars. Now have you heard of the Civil Wars? No. So um they're an alternative folk band um who I was not aware of either but uh, I am aware of Joy Williams. So the civ- Civil the Civil Wars is uh Joy Williams and John Paul White. Um, and this is quite an interesting version of it. At first I thought, oh God, I can't get on board with this at all. It's just way too folky. It's a bit too Joan Byers for me. I like the folk But then it bit. ramps up. Not sure um, about the um, yeah, Anthony and nice. the Johnsons singing. It is a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we share the... Yeah, my husband loves Anthony and Johnson's and Johnsons. I just can't get past his voice. Yeah. Yeah. I want to like them. And and I, 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 can, I can hear the beauty in it, but yeah... I can't get past the voice either. Anyway, listen to it later, but it it, it gets a bit better later on. But anyway, it's an interesting cover. Not a patch on the original, but it's a curious take. Okay, next song. So this one, most of the songs were, you know, all written by Billy, but this one, uh, James is credited. Can you hear it? It's got a very slow build. James is credited, although Billy claims that James only wrote the chord structure for the beginning, and that he wrote the rest. I just have to sure. point that bit out. <laughs> actually, he only actually just even thought of it for ten yeah. seconds, and then I just did everything else. All right, Bill. But yeah, but this song is Soma, um, named after a podcast called Society of Midgets. It was originally called Coma, actually, and Billy said that it's about. Uh, a girlfriend who left him. Uh, lots of speculation that it was about Courtney Love, not least by Courtney Love mm. herself. But apparently it wasn't. It was his wife, um, who had broke, or girlfriend at the time, who they broke up with and then got back with and married and then divorced. Yeah, but later. he was with her when he was seeing Courtney. So. Yes, Chris Fabian. What's her name? It is her name. Poor Frank. So uh, he said, I tried to put all my anger in those words, even though I'm just as much to blame for the breakup. So, I mean, well done, Billy. Like, he's actually, you know... <laughs> Taking responsibility. Best, yeah, <laughs> to something. But it's based on the idea that a love relationship is almost the same as opium. It slowly puts you to sleep, it soothes you, and gives you the illusion of sureness and security. And the opium thing, so Soma is a reference to um, uh, the uh, the drug in Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. I, I can do it. I haven't read that book in... I have read that book, but not for a long time. And I didn't like it. Um, but yeah, Soma is the hallucinogenic drug in that. But, um, wait, he's the one that cheated on her, so... Rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Love puts you in Kona until reality sets in, and that reality is me shagging Courtney Love until she dumped me for Kurt. Gutted. Oh. Check out the piano here. Can you hear it? I... It's, just, it's very very quiet. Okay, whack it up a little bit. Tell me if it gets too crazy. Because there is a great guitar solo coming up. But check out the piano here, because the piano is by REM's Mike Mills, (laughs) (laughs) who've been lacking a mention for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We've gone from. You know, we haven't talked about Johnny Depp though, and uh, what's happening. (laughs) Surely you're about to drop some knowledge on me about Johnny Depp. Mm. And how he, I uh, hopefully kicked Billy's ass. Yes. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll Google it while you do the podcast. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the guitar solo in this was rated number twenty-four in Rolling Stones, the twenty-five coolest. So, just snuck in there, the twenty-five coolest guitar solos. <laughs> and forty-first uh, in enemy's fifty greatest guitar solos. So I mean, I'm gonna say. It's not my favorite. Well, Butch Vig said that Billy wanted to make a record that people would put on and say, what the fuck was that? I mean, of course he did. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said, we wanted to have things going on in the left ear and right ear all the time. And one of Billy's main goals was to create a sense of sonic depth, but without necessarily using delays or reverbs, but to use tonalities instead. i getting a bit technical here. But basically, um, they layered guitars multiple, multiple times. And this song, Zoma... Uh, apparently contains up to 40 overdubbed guitar parts damn oh and then Butch Vig said that as many as 100 guitar parts were compressed into a single song I don't know if he was referring to this one or not but I mean that's a lot of guitar and you know he spent that time in the studio so he's probably not lying yeah uh okay I don't have any more on the same so I am gonna oh, yeah I always love the great title drumming of that track, track. I never really liked the track. Yeah, I, I feel the same. Yeah, So that's why we named our podcast after it. <laughs> <laughs> Pure accident. but Okay. Uh, Geek USA. This was apparently a reworking of an earlier song called Suicide Kiss, which I can't play you because it's not on Spotify. Uh, but it was released online uh, through the Smashing Pumpkins Record Club back in 2011. And uh, again, a guitar solo in this uh, placed... Number fifty-four in Guitar World's 100 Greatest Guitar Solos of All Time, uh, but the demo version had a much longer guitar solo in it, um, so it was it was shortened for the studio version. Although Billy had considered dropping it altogether because he felt that the record, the the, the song already had too many fluctuations, and a complicated solo wouldn't add much dynamics to the song. Um, uh, so yeah, they kept a bit in, but the drumming. Is, according to Butch Butchvig, one of the most amazing drum performances he's ever heard. So well done, Jimmy. He, uh, yeah, it rocks. Fucked his ideas up for this well, one. Well, was it Jimmy or was it re recorded by uh, <laughs> Mr. Gawkin? Uh, but this song is um, the one that references or makes the mention of Siamese twins. So you'll remember the album cover mm-hmm. is a couple of little girls who apparently are not no. actually Siamese um, twins. Um, and these, the, the girls were called. Ali, I can't read my own writing here, Ali Lenser, uh, I think, and Lissandra Roberts. Any relation to uh, um, anyone that you know? No. <laughs> um, uh, so I think their identity was kept um, anonymous for a long time, and I've got my notes on my phone for this bit. I remember seeing in the paper something about them coming forward, or uh. Yeah. A so, yeah, um... When was it? When they reunited in 2007, uh, Billy put something on Twitter, I think, saying, um, as you all know, they were quite young when this photo was taken. They're not conjoined anymore, as far as we know. Uh, I don't know, what was it? Oh, you know, so in 2011, he tweeted that he just found out the weirdest news. He said that their bass player, Nicole, had just admitted that she was one of the girls on the cover of Simon's Dream. That wasn't actually true. he was talking about Nicole Fiorentino, who was their touring bassist. But, like, lots of people figured out that actually, like, the numbers just didn't add up. She wouldn't have been um, young enough to have been one of the girls in the picture. Uh, So then kind of it all went quiet for a little while. And then um, a bit later, uh, Billy put something out on Instagram saying... um, uh, Siamese Dream cover was an iconic image and what's amazing is that their chemistry with one another still leaps through the camera to this day um, and basically uh, tracked them down and um, like recreated the album cover so there is a picture that I can try and put on Instagram if I remember and don't stay in the goldfish bowl. I'll um, write it down for you. And yeah and so, they then you know look back on the day that they they did the shoot and stuff and said that we ate lemon heads and enjoyed rocket popsicles from the ice cream truck that happened to pass during the during sh- during the sh- during the shoot all while being dressed in a cute dress with angel wings and in the like the recreated photo shoot they um they have the angel wings as well Aww. so cute right nice. on to mayonnaise I spelled wrong Spelt wrong, yeah. So like, I, I've I've always had trouble spelling mayonnaise, and I think probably as a result of this, it's William yes. P. Corgan's fault. Yes, yes, it's it's not. Good. He's got a bit of, of a track record track record with that as well. They've got a song called Galapagos um, that they've spelled wrongly as well, and of course, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. That's not how you spell Melancholy. No, but that one's at least obvious. Was it about a, a dog called Melon? I don't know. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he said this is one of those things where, like, you know, there's lots of different stories about, you know, where the title comes from. But Billy has said that he got title after looking in his fridge, Uh, but then he also said later that um, it stands for the phonetics of my own eyes. I don't know. I don't think either story is particularly good. But there we go. The song, on the other hand, I think the first first one is true. (laughs) The fridge. Yeah. So what, what, what would your what, what would your song be named if you looked in your fridge we well, have got some lovely sauerkraut love <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to eat that with everything uh, okay what can Ooh, I tell you I know what's in yours cake Kaka. that's Norwegian for cake <laughs> oh because <laughs> it's Spanish for shit <laughs> no not caca it's
1: all about the end of the
0: kaka. okay caca I like to learn something every day <laughs> my cake, mate fridge is indeed full of cake By um, the way, you need to put up a picture of that cake you made that looked like a lasagna That was amazing That was a very cool cake <laughs> Nothing to do with 90s on I'm just saying, it. Hannah makes cakes and you should know that And one they're really cool like Thank you And she just recently, well, she makes tons of amazing cakes <laughs> I will put my, I forgot to put your birthday cake up actually Which was the oh, Pearl Jam wow. one So I will, I was I will about do that to say... in honour of our gig going next week Hannah has made me a pearl jam cake probably for the last five years and they're all amazing. Each one, uh, absolute gem. You should check that out too. We should put them up more. Let's big you up. Yes, fucking I... Fuck you, Billy Corgan. We're gonna, we're gonna in, in honor of Smashing Pumpkins week, we're gonna put up a <laughs> fucking shitload of Hannah's cakes in your fucking face. <laughs> hey, I'm a fan. <laughs> I know, but you see what I'm saying here. He doesn't need any more love. He, I, I feel like just you have it. actually listened to your favorite band on Smashing Pumpkins and just no, it's there I, I hate myself it's that there. I can't remember it. It's it's infuriating. How could I be channeling it this? right now? Maybe it was just so obvious. It oh. just went through me, you know. <coughs> I've got a very long quote from Billy that I, I think I'm going to bypass. Just bearing in mind <laughs> what you've just said. Does it say how beautiful it is? I not it's very long. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a little expert excerpt actually. Um, let see what's it in relation to. It doesn't matter, I'm just gonna give it to you out of context. It's like how you can look at Picasso's art <laughs> and see who he was sleeping with at the time, you know? But instead of painting her, he paints Madonna. The Madonna, you know what I mean. He turns his mistress into the Holy Mother. Similar things happen with me. Stuff shows up in all these weird places, but I don't remember thinking that at the time. I was just struggling for a language. He has kind of got a as way as usual. with words, though, yeah. hasn't he? I don't even want to slag him off for that comment, <laughs> which annoys me. Okay, I'm going to say something else. In 195 Sorry, no. In 1756, a sauce made from olive oil and egg yolks was invented by the French chef of Louis-Francois-Armand de Vignereau du Plessis-Duc de Richelieu. <laughs> pronounced very, very wrong. Um, But yes, whilst the Duke was defeating the British at this successful siege of the English uh, held St. Philip's Castle, his chef was creating a victory feast that included a sauce made of cream and eggs. When the chef realised that there was no cream in the kitchen, he improvised, substituting olive oil for the cream. I was about to say, there is no cream in (laughs) eggs. There you go. Located in Mahon, Mahon port city in the capital of Menorca, the successful siege had resulted in the French's gain of the entire island. The chef named the new sauce mayonnaise, or mayonnaise, in order of the Duke's victory. Oh my god, that is some great knowledge to draw. I did not know that. You're welcome. Menorca, eh? Or Mallorca? Which one? Uh, Or are they the same place? mm, (laughs) No, Menorca and Mallorca are different. Right, Yeah. that's what I thought, but then... But this is about M-I-N I thought Minorka was M-E-N I don't know I don't know I haven't been there I want to go there Minorka no it sounds yeah it looks beautiful Minorka Minorka <laughs> to Uh actually this is quite so another thing that Billy said about like his songwriting process but particularly in relation to this song he said say you write a song about a chandelier and the chandelier gives off light and the light is the colour red and red reminds you of the colour you're not supposed to wear around a bull." So you name the song Cow. Okay. I quite like that. Sure. Never wrote a song, so hard to connect with that thought. But okay. I I just like his logic there. I think that's uh, quite cute. Hey. Anyway. Ah, pretzel logic. Oh, it's um, it's American week in in Little, and they do they they've got these um like pretzel. They're like hot dogs. I haven't got them yet. I mean, I haven't eaten them yet. They're in the freezer. (laughs) So they're, like, frozen. You know, like, those processed, like, Frankfurters. Yeah. Like, the hot dog Like, just dirty, dirty, dirty delicious. And they're, like, covered in pretzel. And they come with, like, a... I think it's, like, one of the American yellow mustard dips. They they look amazing. So, yeah. So they're, like... hors d'oeuvres. I think so, yeah. They're in little chunks. They look good. I'll report back. I'll report back. Okay, so this is track 10, Space Boy. This is the one song on the album that Courtney Love concedes is not about her. (laughs) uh, Because it is inspired by... She's such a... (laughs) Mayonnaise, (laughs) of course it's about me, bitch. Why wouldn't it be? I fucking love mayonnaise. (laughs) So this is about Billy's little brother, Jesse, who... he was born with some stuff and depending on what you read it's, it's different but anyway he, he was born possibly with a mild cerebral palsy uh, Tourette syndrome <coughs> heart problems and a chromosomal disorder um, uh, and I think he and Billy were, 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 were quite close but whilst the song is about supposedly about Jesse or inspired by Jesse it's also <laughs> about Billy because Chalker. um The whole thing is about dealing with with the frustration of feeling like you don't fit in. And so Billy, although he doesn't have any of the stuff that his brother has to deal with, explains that he can identify with his brother. So in, um, in an interview in 1994, he described the similarities between him and his brother as being, and I quote, I feel our lives are similar, freaks of nature, freaks of society. I always keep going back to something by Henry Miller. No matter how much he smiled, told jokes, shook hands, patted people on the back, people still looked at him funny. They still said something wasn't right. <coughs> I've always felt that way. No matter how normal I appear, I was treated differently. Um, but I wanted... Oh, God, no, I've gone to the beginning. There's a weird thing. that I'd forgotten um, until I have, had, have listened to this album on repeat for the past week about this weird bit at the end. Is it going to kick in now? Tell him up. I'll just talk about how certain things help. But he's start getting physical rather than having intercourse. He ends up masturbating himself. And I end up feeling very alienated and unsatisfied, and it's really come between us. Let's let that So yeah, I just want well, to fast forward to that bit because. I think that is just so uber nineties, isn't it? When you just tap these little bits on the ends of songs or as little interludes yeah. between songs, which you know you don't really get now. From People don't listen to albums. Random science documentary that was on late night, and yeah. they happened to watch it. What it was, very vitality? Don't you think? Yes, like that was exactly massively vitality. And they came out. When did vitality come out? Uh Was it 94? Vi- Four, okay, four. so no, Smashing Pumpkins did right. it first. Well, everyone was doing it, it was the... <laughs> <laughs> it was the oeuvre. Uh... Okay, um, right, Silverfuck. This is uh, the longest song on the album. In fact, it was the longest song that they put out. Yes, Vitality uh, 94, sorry. I'll do okay, right. yes. Yeah, so it's people there first. So yeah, nine minutes long, this clock's in at. Um, a bit later they they put Starler out after, which which was eleven minutes, it's a whopper. (laughs) It's a whopper. (laughs) Whopper Whopper royale. Um sorry. But while you choke, I'm just gonna grab some ice. Thank you. Despite its length, um, it's their most Right, let me get this right. It's their most played song that's not a single. Does that make sense? Yes. So they played it over 300 times. And oh, I, I think they played this when we saw them. I had the set list up a minute ago because I couldn't remember. Um, yeah, they played it. Um, <clears throat> and I think this might be one of the bits where it just got a bit too self-indulgent because it went off into like a bunch of... Yeah, I remember feeling a little bit angry. Yeah. yeah, was like, thing. come on, come on, get on with that. And those tickets weren't cheap, like... <laughs> we pay through the nose. Well, and also we had to leave. I mean, this isn't their fault, but we had to leave early yeah. because it's bloody Wembley and otherwise you're stranded if you need to get I back know. to it. This is why London gigs are such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although we're lucky compared to other corners of the earth. Like, a lot of people come to Brighton so can't really complain. True, true. And there is some good stuff going on in Brighton. At the moment. can't see Billy Corgan showing up in, in Brighton though. Yeah. <clears throat> but when they used to play it, so, um... On, on the Siamese Dream tour, apparently they used to like put in interpolations of songs like uh, "Over the Rainbow," like Julie Gardens "Over the Over the Rainbow." Hmm. How very but, um, Rufus Wainwright. I think. Well, yeah, but then like as you know, as they, you know, changed and grew and whatever, they completely changed how they played it and often stretched bits of it out for like twenty minutes, which I'm not that interested in. Frankly, no, that is well, as the commitment said, musical wankery. Well, yeah, and also so he said, again, in the line, in the reissue line notes, he said, it's an endless jam that we beat into submission using the club crowds as test dummies for what needs to be an ever-infinite magnum opus. <laughs> um, he would say. Yeah. But he, 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 he blames it on a UK band actually called The Hypnotics. He said that they, he was inspired by a date that they played in, in Minneapolis by the, the Hypnotics, The spelled T-H-E-E. Uh, who apparently played a 30-minute encore that went on for so long that the club cut the power but the band <laughs> refused to stop and, like, fist <laughs> fights broke out. He said, we stand in awe of their magical power. Oh, they sound like a bunch of dicks. Oh, yeah. One can only find these hidden realms by pushing past the bounds of time and expectation. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason you enrage people, Billy. It's yeah. just this kind of shit. Yeah, but apparently the managers warned that uh, the song alone cost cost them... T-shirt sales. <laughs> oh, the good old T-shirt sales. I wonder how much they cost. Uh, yeah, I wonder how much the pearl jam ones will be. Okay, we're nearly, nearly, we're nearly there. I'm not going to make Wars. you sit through the whole nine minutes of silver fuck. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going uh, to penultimate track, sweet sweet, is very very sweet sweet, short sweet sweet. It's a minute and a half long, and it's one of their least played songs, but in um, 2017 they played it for the first time in 23 years. I don't think they but I don't remember them playing it for us, um which isn't surprising. Um no. But it's sweet. 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 sweet! Does what it says on the tin, as they say. But I'm gonna fast forward it nevertheless. And this is Luna, which closes the album just beautifully, I think. I'm sure Billy would agree with me. Oh it. I know he would. <laughs> and we're back to Courtney here so this was written for an ex-lover and there is a lot of speculation that this one might actually indeed be I mean I'd give her a few but come on Um, all number one well Billy pretty much admits that it was about Courtney Love he said it was written in a hotel room in London on a three weeks day we'd come early for press and the powers that be figure it's cheaper to have a sit down to have a sit and wait the us home only to return I'm in love with someone that doesn't love me my songs are better than hers this is my way to prove a point not worth making I lean my back up against the wall of my room pushing my spine up straight my guitar has been painted day glow at the hands of a sweet madman I sing a love, long, uh, a love song in an empty room it's for the moon it can never be for the one you love so make of that what you will Courtney will make of that that it's about Courtney love as is her want Who knows? But it's a beautiful way, beautiful shoegazy way to finish off an absolute masterpiece of an album. That's what you (laughs) think. (laughs) I do, I love it. It has has moments of genius. You could hear that. I feel there's a lot of filler, personally. Just things I, I just don't connect to, but it's not crap. I mean, I know that. Speaking filler, you just refilled my drink. Yes, I did. What did you do to me? Yes, I did. Well, we've got pod business after this is over, so you know, I'm just trying to hydrate you, Anna. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for uh, indulging. Plus, me. I've had like seven while you've been doing this pod, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Um you can find us on Instagram, Side next Podcast. Gmail uh, Society Owes Me A Gen X Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Soma GXP. Soma GXP. And you can please leave us a five-star review. How about that? How about that? Can I Billy Corgan you? Come on, you know we deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) And who'd win in your battle the smashing pumpkins? It's a beautiful pod, why don't you just say it? you with me, Siree's <laughs> Dream? Or do you want to hear us cover Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness? Which I'm very open to doing too. Oh, that's going to be um, an epic behemoth. Yeah. But I think what we should do for that is battle it out to like, which 10 songs would you... Yeah. 10, maybe 12, would you cut it down to? We could do a top 10. I am. All over that. Yeah. Let's do that then. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you for dropping pumpkin knowledge on me (laughs) Sarah bye